Sue, thank you very much. And uh, we're probably about the same kind of height-ish, so um, we need this lectern slightly differently. Um, it was very funny, isn't it, when me and Richard are up here. If you know Richard, my husband, is six foot four, and we're always, like, winding this thing up or down or, you know, roundabout. But it's lovely to be with you this morning, and we're talking today on this topic of Sabbath, Sabbath rest. And um, I had some Sabbath. And largely because I had some Sabbath, I am leaning very, very heavily on a fantastic sermon by Timothy Keller. His sermon is almost an hour long. And so I'm going to send you the link because it's so good. And a lot of my stuff is stolen from him, but won't be that long. So we are in this series where we're looking at encounters Jesus had in community sharing food. And I just thought it would be a lovely start to our year to just look at the way Jesus ministers, the way he teaches, and the way he is in community with his disciples. And um, if we eat three meals a day um, for every day of the year, uh, we have about 1,095 meals. Um, you may not uh, have breakfast. I know some of you do that kind of long fast thing and then eat later. So maybe one of your meals is just a cup of coffee. I don't know. Um, but that's a lot of moments in our day, in our week, in our year where we do stop. And an encouragement from me as we keep journeying through back out of the sort of intensity of those lockdown periods is an encouragement to just think again about how we might journey as community and maybe, just maybe building in, having someone for some food, going out to a coffee shop with someone and being together over food. It doesn't need to be onerous, but it's about building connection and relationship. And so Jesus modeled this hanging out and over food. And as he did that, he did so much uh, discipling. But today, um, hopefully we have some uh, slides on the screen. The food situation was less like this. Less like this and more like this. And uh, the Jesus uh, we meet is less like the left meek and mild and probably more a bit like the rebellious Jesus. So we're thinking the street food kind of situation and slightly more rebellious Jesus in our encounter today, maybe. But let's have a look. So it starts our reading with the disciples being hungry. And just as a side note, I want us just to clock that even when we hang out with Jesus really, really closely... This side of heaven, we still experience the normal human stresses and strains of life. And his disciples were hungry. They were hungry. And they were out, and there were the fields they were walking through. Wheat was growing. They picked the wheat, and they ate it. But there was a problem because it was the Sabbath, and the Pharisees spotted them doing this. Now, keeping the Sabbath was the fourth commandment, keep the Sabbath. And the Jewish law says there are 39 types or 39 categories of work that are not allowed to take place on the Sabbath. And one of those categories is reaping. And so obviously the disciples picking the corn would have fitted into that category of reaping. 
Now, as we go through this talk and we're thinking about Sabbath and work and rest, it's worth clocking that as we arrive in church today, we may well be in a whole variety of places with work. There'll be some of us that really need work. Um, There'll be some of us who are retired from official work. Apparently, some of you retired people are more busy than ever, though. And so work doesn't stop, does it? It just comes in different forms and different ways. There will be many living across the area of West London who are overworked. And we're just, our relationship with work and what's going on for us will be different for everybody here in the room. But the applications we're going to learn today, we can apply whoever we are and whatever's going on. And hopefully you'll see that as we journey through. Now, we can read a passage like today and immediately kind of sneer at the Pharisees. Oh, how ridiculous, how pedantic they were, keeping to all those ridiculous rules. Um, Of course, Jesus was going to kind of dismiss that. Um, Totally over the top that they're like berating them for picking a few grains of corn. Totally ridiculous. And um, I'm with you, if you think that. Um, Definitely with you on that. I think it is a bit ridiculous. But at the same time... I think it's worth us in our culture being a little bit cautious not to be overjudgmental because actually, although we may not want to keep Sabbath like that, we can't sneer. Their attempts to keep Sabbath were good. How are we doing at it? We've thrown everything to the wind, haven't we? So I feel like we have to be careful not to sneer too much at these Pharisees. And let's look at what Jesus actually says to them. Because he doesn't say, I've come to do away with the Sabbath. He doesn't say that. He says, and you can look at the verse, I am Lord of the Sabbath. And we're going to unpack that a little bit. Sabbath is about a need for deep, deep rest. And today, more than ever, probably, we're in need of that. Um, There's a a Jew, a secular Jew called Judith uh, Schulschlitz, I've probably said that wrong, um, who wrote an article in the New York Times uh, magazine. And she um, is a secular Jew. She'd... um, given up on her religious practice. She was uh, not living as a religious Jew at all. And as she was living her life in New York City, she suddenly realized that at the weekend, a Sabbath, she was becoming quite anxious. And she realized that she was missing Sabbath ritual. And she writes this profound article about it. And I I recommend um, searching for it. But she says this, and she's speaking um, in general to society. So she, she talks about Sunday, even though she's a Jew. So for her, it would be the Sabbath Saturday. But she says um, along the lines of this, when Sunday was still sacred, not only did drudgery give way to festivity, family gatherings, and occasionally worship, but the machinery of self-censorship shut down too, stilling the eternal inner murmur of self-reproach. 
And she goes on to say, not even our group leisure activities can do for us what Sabbath rituals could once be counted on to do. Religious rituals do not exist simply to promote togetherness. They're in a way theatre. They're designed to convey to us a certain story about who we are without our even quite noticing that they are doing so. It's a profound quote and it's worth sitting with and, and coming back to. You see, Sabbath is more than just knocking off work from time to day, from time to time. But we find real deep restful Sabbath very difficult in our context of our society. There's a lot of job insecurity in our current society. Everybody, whether you're on our like super high salary or a low salary, is generally overworking in our society. If you're on a super kind of top level job, you're having to work the hours to keep up because if you don't, there's someone else behind you who will. If you're on a lower end salary job at the moment in our society, you're often having to work multiple jobs in order to pay the bills with the cost of living crisis. So literally everybody in every point of our society at the moment is probably overworking. And then we have technology too, don't we? So I can take my iPhone to bed with me and look at my emails at 11 p.m. because they're on my phone. And more than that, and probably deeper than that, our meaning and identity has been tied into what we think about our identity, about who we are. And it wasn't that long ago in history that your identity was shaped more around your place in family. Maybe you were a brother, a sister, an aunt, an uncle, a son, a daughter, a mother, a father, a grandparent. And your kind of identity was more in that. And the work you did enabled you to live. Nowadays, our identity and what we're teaching our children is define yourself, achieve your goals, work hard to get there, to be who you want to be. And so then our identity is tied up in work. And we see it in younger generations. I see it in our staff team. The younger people coming through, they want a huge sense of feeling fulfilled in the workplace. It's almost like your workplace colleagues become your family unit as well. And you, your, your kind of need to get your identity from work has increased hugely. And at the very least, it does need to be lucrative. And so all this meaning that we placed in our, our work becomes very stressful. But I put that slide up with this picture because there can be a tendency, and there can be a tendency a lot in the church, to always go, it's worse now than it used to be in life. And that's probably not that true. There's just always things that are bad and good going on in society. Um, and I've been reading a secular book called uh, Factfulness. Um, it's a little bit patronizing and there's definitely things to critique in it. But it's very interesting um, because he's basically challenging our worldview that things are always getting worse. And as British people, we can slip into that psyche, things are always getting worse. So there are things that are hard at the moment. But notice this, Sabbath was an ancient practice. And because it was an ancient practice, that means there's something about Sabbath that is fundamental to all people at all times, wherever you live on the globe. And what is that? 
Well, it's the need for that deep rest, what Judith calls that machinery of self-censorship being shut down, the stilling of the eternal inner murmur of self-reproach. You see, there's a need for rest, a need to rest from proving ourselves. And you can take as many holidays as you like if you've got the cash to do it. If you've got any extra cash for holidays, um, yeah, send it my way. Um, But you can take as many holidays as you like and still be restless if you've not taken the inner rest you need for your soul. So we're going to pick up on that a bit more as we go through. But the Pharisees here in our passage, they're, um, they're telling Jesus off. Um, and so we think, Jesus, what's going on? Because actually you're breaking the Sabbath, but you seem to be saying you're Lord of it. What, what's, what, what is going on? And Jesus starts talking to them about an Old Testament story where David and his companions break a rule. And what he's doing, because the Pharisees would have understood what was going on in Jesus' mind probably a bit more than we do, was he was explaining to them in very short that in Scripture, the moral laws of society you can never set aside. Things like do not murder, those can never be set aside, those moral the moral code, the moral laws. But the religious codes, things like keeping the Sabbath, are actually provisional, which means that they are temporary. They will end when something comes along that makes them obsolete. And Jesus has come along and said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And what he's saying is, I am the one that the Sabbath regulations point to. I can give you the deep rest of the soul that you need, that deeper rest. I am the Lord of rest. And if you want to rest, really rest, you have to go to him. And if you've been to him and you haven't got that rest, you haven't been rested, it means you haven't really understood what it is that Jesus is offering to you. And I know this from personal experience. I'm blessed to have been on some holidays in my life. Not all humans on this planet are blessed to have holidays. I've been really, really blessed. But I've come back from some of my holidays and I've not been rested at all. I've sometimes spent half an hour on the floor with Jesus and I've been more rested than a two-week holiday. There's a rest he can give us that is deeper and more profound than just us knocking off work. And so let's just kind of look at, well, what is that deep rest? What does that look like? Where does that come from? Let's go back to the book of Genesis where it starts. Um, God's creating the world. Um, and he's finished, uh, when he finishes creating things, he looks at things and goes, that was good. And pauses before he then creates the next thing, yeah? And then at the end of chapter 1, verse 31 in Genesis 1, we have God's look at it all. And God says it was very good and God rested what why does God need to rest what's that about what is this rest what it is is that God is stepping back to enjoy what he has made utterly satisfied that the work 
has been done. Have you ever made it to the end of your to-do list? It feels so good. It happens so rarely for me, but it feels so good. It's like, ah, oh, ah, oh, now I can just enjoy the next day off. And it's that sense of rest, that utter completeness that is what God is doing when he rests. He is enjoying And you see, Hebrews 4 says to us, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did from his. And what they're saying is, you know, what it means to be a Christian, part of the way that looks is to see your work the way God looks at his. And through Jesus, you can look at your life and your life's work and say, It's good. Our problem is the absence of this deep rest. It's that we're constantly trying to wrestle with who we are. We know that there's something important. We have something to offer. We've somehow been made. We're not, we're not just blobs. There's, there's something special. And so religious people strive to find their meaning through doing loads of good works. And secular people set up what, what the goal is and work towards that. But we're always failing because we're trying to consistently prove our Selves, and the work of that is never over. Maybe occasionally, on that one day when you finish your to-do list, right? But then you know Monday's coming around and the to-do list will grow again. Only Jesus can give us that deep rest where we come to him, the one who says, my yoke is easy. You see, everyone's serving something. But if you make Jesus the meaning of your life, you'll get that absolute rest. You can look at everything and say it's good because of him. And what's really interesting and quite complex about our passage is if you go on in our passage and we read more verses, you'd uh, find that Jesus goes on heels on the Sabbath and um, verse um, 11 with verse 5 we have sort of Jesus saying that he's the Lord of the Sabbath in verse 5 but in verse 11 the Pharisees get so cross with him and so upset that he's essentially claiming to be God that they put him on the trajectory towards the cross and in that moment they actually end up fulfilling what Jesus says because in the moment of the cross what happens is Jesus becomes restless he takes on the wickedness and the rubbishness of us and the restlessness of the wicked is placed upon him and what it means is this Everything that is necessary for salvation, for the most exacting conscious amongst us, for the most perfectionist amongst us, he takes and he hushes that eternal murmur in his death. And as we as Christians look on Jesus, what we can do is say, God Don't accept me because of the things I can do. Accept me because of my saviour. And when we do that, we're hiding ourselves 
in him. We're relying on him. And what happens when we do that is that God imputes our sin to him and imputes Jesus's righteousness to us. And so when God looks on us, he says, it's good. My work is finished. And what does Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. It is complete. And you're invited into his completed, finished work. And in that moment, regardless of everything else that's going on around you and everything else in your life, you can be utterly, Sabbathly rested in him. And so the Sabbath becomes for Jesus less about um, exacting rules, less about I must do this, I must not do that, and more about coming to him for that deeper rest that we really, really need. But there are issues, aren't there? Because, um, Because we find it really hard to Sabbath just generally. To get to that point where we come to him is really difficult. And so having some plan, having some help with which to do Sabbath rest in is important. And it will mean, probably for most of us, sacrifices in some way or another. If you need a Sunday film to watch, just watch Chariots of Fire. Um, Probably the only film on the Sabbath. Uh, It's totally the Sabbath is its theme. And, you know, he does sacrifice, doesn't he? Um, but the guy who wins the gold medal in one part, he, he's never satisfied. Because if you've got to prove yourself in that 100-meter dash, if that's your identity, if that's who you are, well, even if you achieve it once, it's never going to fully satisfy because there's someone coming behind who's going to be faster and stronger and take it from you. And the guy in Chariots of Fire knew that he could be satisfied in Christ. And so he made sacrifices, and sometimes you will have to too. So I'm just going to end um, with a couple of bits of advice. I don't know, that's my last slide. Sorry, Sam, I'm probably like taking you all over the houses. Um, and, and just suggest a couple of uh, things to us. Because if the Sabbath becomes less about exacting rules, we do need to work out what on earth we do with Sabbath. How do we rest? How do we, how do we kind of build in this thing to our lives? And so I want to just suggest that the first thing we need to do is really understand the internal work that needs to happen on the Sabbath that I've been talking about, this coming to Jesus. And So even if this year you don't have money for a holiday and there's lots of people in our society that won't, there will still be times when we can stop and be with Jesus. And I promise you, I promise you, there's nothing like that rest. It is the best rest. You will have the best night's sleep afterwards. He loves you so much. He wants to be rest your soul in the story of who you are and who he is and so we need to practice the inner discipline firstly of liberation in Deuteronomy 50 15 he brought the slaves out of Egypt right it's brought them to freedom and one of the first things he says to them is observe the sabbath 
gives them a rule. Ah, you brought us to freedom. You've given us a rule. Observe the Sabbath. But the thing is, as slaves, they couldn't observe the Sabbath. The Sabbath is about saying some no's. It's about sometimes saying no to people. You see, the thing is, we're all slaves to something. We might be slaves to our work. We might be slaves to our own insecurity. We might be slaves to our Instagram account. Maybe less likely at the 9.30. We just had a conversation about tech before we started. Um, but what are we slaves for? Slaves to our coffee morning, slaves to our tidiness of our house, slaves to... We can be slaves to all kinds of stuff. We can be slaves to other people needing us. We can be slaves to needing to, to be something, somebody. But we need to be set free from anything defining us other than how Christ defines us. So that inner work of being liberated towards knowing that we are precious in Christ because he says we are and he loves us is an important part of Sabbath, that inner work. And the second inner thing that needs to happen is trust. When we Sabbath, what we're doing, when we stop doing, is saying, I trust that you're God and I'm not. That actually the world can keep running just fine without me. That God's God and I am not God. And so taking Sabbath is like this incredible act of trust. We are trusting God with our lives. And so you need those internal things, liberation and trust. Then externally, probably most of us do need to take more Sabbath time, not less. Another suggestion um, Timothy Keller gives us is that we need to balance our Sabbath time. Um, that Sabbath time probably needs to include a few elements to it. Um, it needs some advocational stuff, you know, like enjoyment of his world. So, um, I don't know, for some of you that might be fishing or playing football or painting. or. But if you... Fish is your work job. That's not advocational. If you then fish on your Sabbath, you need to do something else. Um, so it's that taking that part of ourselves, which God has made, and just enjoying his, his creation and, and who he is. It needs to be part of that in our, in our rhythms, in our Sabbathing. There needs to be the contemplative. We need to worship. You've got to tell ourselves, we've got to tell ourselves that big story of who he is and who we are, and that happens in our worship. And then some of our Sabbath thing needs to be super inactive. In the Bible, both the people and the land need to Sabbath. And just let, you know in the land, when they let it Sabbath every seven years in the Old Testament, they just let whatever come up, come up. Sometimes we need space in our lives for whatever feeling, whatever thought, just to come up. To be held before God in that sort of unstructured and unhurried way. Third little tip on the slide, we need to be accountable for our Sabbath time. Um, and in this world, uh, part of us being Christians in community is actually we really need each other. We need each other to kind of check in on. And if we're not like, 
being in each other's lives and we can't check in on each other. Um, so will you please let some Christians be in your life this year and will you be in theirs? Um, not in an onus ray, but just, you know, periodically where you can, grab a coffee with someone, just chat about it, chat about what it means to look at Sabbath at your stage of life, with your circumstances, with the kind of work God has called you to. And you know, the thing is, sometimes there will be times when you need to say, I'm starting a new business this year, which means that I'm going to be working flat out. But next year, will you check on me to make sure I'm not still working like that? You know, because there are really different seasons in life. And that's why Jesus doesn't set these like exacting rules for us. It's why it will look different, but we still need each other to be accountable to in this. I mean, my Sabbath at the moment looks like taking kids around loads of clubs on a Saturday. It's not particularly restful. It's probably not very sustainable. I probably need to think about some other bits in my week and how I, how I work that out. And I need to be chatting with other parents of kids my age and going, ah, what does this look like? How do we still protect, you know, some inner space for us so that actually we're not fraught, anxious people around our children? Um, <laughs> I, you know, we need to help one another and then fourthly we need to inject sabbath into our work times in the old testament they had a habit of not gleaning the fields right to the very edges in life if we work like a demon and then just suddenly stop it's like it's a shock it's a jolt it doesn't quite work so if i'm working full pelt to 6 p.m on friday and I'm going to get up on Sunday morning and it's going to be a Sabbath. Actually, do I need to start winding down a bit earlier? What does it mean to tie up some of the loose ends a bit earlier? Not to push myself always to the limits. And sometimes that may mean for us as Christians risking falling behind in our careers. And we're going to have to trust God but there are too many men in their 50s dying of heart attacks at the moment in our community. Burnout's real. Let's protect each other and ourselves. Um, but finally, and, and I, think, I think this one's rare for us, but I know I've slipped into it occasionally in life, and there'll be some of us that will be in this place. And if that's you, don't worry, we've all messed up on this Sabbath-keeping thing all the time. But there's another aspect. And this is don't underwork. There are some of us through lethargy, through fear of failure, through apathy, through having made mistakes in the past that don't actually work as hard as perhaps we should. And this brings a different kind of strain to Sabbath keeping. You see, these people may be very good at taking Sabbath. They may look like the people that are taking all the holiday time they can get. Um, but often there's a feeling of guilt and of underworth. And so in order for those Christians, if they're Christians, to get to that place of resting in Jesus, they've often got to deal with an awful lot to get there because they're feeling guilty they're not trusting him to help them. They're not being prepared to be vulnerable in weakness. They're just putting things off. And the word teaches us, really importantly, to 
do our work as if working for the Lord, to work hard. And so very occasionally, there can be a challenge for some of us actually to pick up work, pick up the pace of work, pick up your service in the life of the church. And then when it's your Sabbath, rest really well. I say that lastly just because it's, it's rare. Most of us need to hear much more the need to stop and do a bit less. But some of us need to hear that last one as well. Sometimes we can get into a rut of thinking that, um, you know, I can't possibly do that because we've been burnt out in the past. Actually, we need a bit of healing from that, a bit of resetting. And again, that's where our community of Christian friends can help us and be journeying with us. So much stuff in that. Let's pray. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, we just want to um, ask for your help as a community. Um, Sabbathing does not come easy to us here in West London. And we thank you for the joy of living in this place, for for the amazing way so many people want so many things done well and, and good. And Lord, that's pleasing to you. But Lord, forgive us when we overwork, when we overstretch. Where we haven't learned to relax into that deep rest that you have for us. Lord, would you help me, would you help us with this? Would you rest your people that our light might shine brightly to this world around us that's so desperate for real rest? And would you help us missionally to invite people home to rest in you? Amen. <laughs>